0: This Spiritual Fix presents... T.S.F. Shorts!
1: A potluck of preludes between episodes. Hello, T.S.F. family, and welcome to the very first of our T.S.F. Shorts. Today we are going to be talking about crows and A.I. Enjoy!
0: Hey, Anna. Hey, Christina.
1: So, we are going to get into a new type of episode, but before we do that, we wanted to let you guys know that we have rejiggered a couple of things because we want to make the podcast more sustainable for us. We're going to no longer make Patreon something where you get downloads and and ad-free and additional content, stuff like that, and we would really, really appreciate your support if you want us to keep going because we're trying to figure out ways to help us to keep going only from when you guys buy our packages, so... You can get the mother wound course, you can get the packages that we have on the primal wounds, on coming home and and exploring all the different realms. We have something on dreaming. We have a number of different packages on our website if you guys want to help support us to go into the future. So we wanted to say that before we get into this special new type of episode. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And this special new type of episode, I call it a prelude potluck, but it's just shorts, minis, I don't know. How
0: about a TSF short?
1: TSF short yeah, this is a TSF short. y'all are hearing us make right now this what this episode's called a tsF short where we basically have taken a couple of things that we're interested in talking to you about, but we don't think it really fits into the season and we just want to talk about it. and there's only so many preludes that we can do before our shows and usually those have to relate even if we don't intend them to they usually relate to the episode the episode itself and like what it's about. So that's what we're going to talk about today yeah
0: so Today we're talking about crows and artificial intelligence. (laughs) Because
1: why not? Those two things totally go together. Totally go
0: together. So did you know that crows have been studied, and it has been determined that they might be as intelligent or more as a seven-year-old child? Um, Some other things that you should know about them is that they recognize human faces. In fact, they're so good at recognizing human faces that when they're being taken into labs to study, researchers are now being told to wear wigs and costumes and like facial, like face masks so that the crows won't recognize them. Because what will happen is when they leave the lab, the crows not only can recognize your face, they can tell their friends about you. And then you suddenly have all these crows chasing you and shitting on your car, stuff like that. They remember what you did and they can use tools to solve problems. They can be given tools in labs and they can solve problems of like how to get food out of weird containers, et cetera, et cetera, without ever being shown how. So they're able to use tools, which was previously thought like only humans and chimpanzees can do, right? They can plan for the future. They're very adaptable. They understand analogies and it's possible that they can outsmart your pets. So I watched a TED Talk by Joshua Klein, and it was called A Thought Experiment on the Intelligence of Crows. And he talks a lot about how intelligent crows are. And one thing he talks about is that we talk a lot about endangered species, and like how you know the presence of man on this earth has led to the decline of a lot of populations of animals, but it's also led to the incline, or what do you call that?
1: Yeah, increase, incline, In- whatever, to yeah. To the
0: increase of certain populations. So things like animals like rats, crows and cockroaches not only have adapted to survive in the presence of human life, but thrive. So they, those are like three examples of species that are thriving because of us. And how are they thriving? They keep adapting. So rats, for example, have become better parents. Cockroaches have become better at being immune to certain pesticides. And crows have learned how to adapt in other ways, which I'm gonna talk about. Crow populations, are growing and wherever there are cities with a high population of humans there's going to be crows nearby or in the city so here's a cute example of like something that crows have taught themselves to do and they've taught their children to do is that in japan they figured out how to get cars to crack nuts. So they'll throw nuts on an, at an intersection and then the cars will drive over them and then they wait for a red light for the cars to stop and then they swoop in and eat all the, gather all the meat that was cracked out of the nuts. So they like, but they don't go when the cars traffic is moving. Like they know what, when the light turns red to swoop in.
1: That's amazing. Yeah.
0: So what did this guy do? This guy Joshua Klein decided to make a vending machine for crows. So the vending machine had like certain steps. It had a four four steps. There was a machine and there was coins and peanuts just mixed in together. And so the, the crows would come in, they'd see the coins, they'd see the peanuts, they'd take the peanuts. And then after like the crows familiarized themselves with this machine at the presence of peanuts, they decided to go next level. There was all these coins near the lever and then like if a coin fell in or they pushed it in, a peanut would come out as a reward. So then they start to associate the coin going in and then the peanut coming out. Yep. And then the third phase was there's no longer any coins like prepped for them. The yep. coins are on the floor, like on the ground near the machine. So they had to figure out to like bring the coin to the lever, like, I'm sorry, like bring the coin into the machine and then the peanut would come out. So they realized like, okay, Putting a coin in this machine leads to the peanut. Well, then they stopped putting any coins around at all. But then what did the the crows do? They started going through, you know, fountains and parks and looking for coins and bringing them coins to get their peanuts. So they, in essence, now have created a crow vending machine where this guy's making money selling peanuts to crows. (laughs) So, (laughs) that's amazing. and what's really cool about it is that other animals wouldn't do this. Other animals, when, after they press the lever like 200 times and realize no peanuts were coming out without the coins would have just given up, but the crows don't give up. They figure it out and then they tell their friends how to do it too. And so the whole point of this TED talk was trying to show like the evolution of intelligence and how maybe we can make a relationship, like instead of trying to kill off rats or kill off crows, Like, why not figure out ways to come up with ingenious, symbiotic relationships where, say, maybe, maybe we trade peanuts for trash or pollutants or, you know, search and rescue. Like, what are some creative ways that we can make relationships with animals where they, like, help us?
1: To look after the earth.
0: Yeah, versus, you know, trying to kill them them off because they're a nuisance. And I just thought that was so cool. And you can go online, and I'm going to put the website in the show notes. There's someone who sells blueprints for making crow vending machines. And all the materials cost less than $100. So you can yourself make a crow vending machine to start having a relationship with the crows in your area.
1: That's so fascinating. And there are also people on TikTok, right, who, like, are friends with crows.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah, and the crows will like once you start making a relationship with crows apparently they'll bring you trinkets they'll bring you like there was a little girl who made friends with crows and it would just they would just bring her all sorts of shiny objects and she would like they'd bring her like lost wedding rings and this and that i thought that was so cool that's so cool so moving right along into intelligence can you talk to us
1: oh well actually i just had i just had a question too one thing i would love you said one of the things i thought was so fascinating that ted talk is you said about the three ways that cockroaches and rats and crows had adapted. Did you say that? Did yeah. you say that rats did they become
0: better parents?
1: Right. Okay. Rats so, became- like, I guess
0: I mean I don't know the details. I didn't study rats for this, ep- this little episode, but yeah. my guess is it means that like they used to abandon their babies at X amount of weeks, and now they stick around longer or they train them better right they let right and
1: cockroaches are are resistant to poison and then crows are intelligent and then i think i saw another thing about crows where they have like a it's not even really a symbiotic it's like a partnership like a joint venture with wolves where they will like get to know the wolf pups and they'll kind of get to know they'll send their young crows and their young wolf pups together and they will make friends and then the crows will go scouting for prey and then the wolves will will be told where the prey is, and then the wolves will set aside a portion of the kill for the crows, right? So they're basically working together to be able to do that, which I think is oh, really awesome. I'm
0: googling it just to confirm. It's actually ravens and wolves, and ravens do differ in crows, but it's the same concept.
1: Right. Okay. What? Yeah. And the and the difference is, I believe that ravens are solitary, whereas crows go in murders.
0: Ravens are as big as a red-tailed hawk, and crows are about the size of a pigeon. The raven is all black and has a 3.5 to 5-foot wingspan and is around 24 to 27 inches from head to toe. Okay. But they're both in the corvus genus.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Very cool. I didn't know that.
1: That is very cool. Okay. Um, Okay, so next we're going to talk about AI, artificial intelligence, because we're talking about the intelligence of crows, and it naturally goes into artificial intelligence. I think that artificial intelligence is obviously something that is the wild west. Everybody is doing everything they can to go into this space. Everyone's rushing into this space, especially since Jasper AI, ChatGPT, among others, are coming forward as publicly available AI that people can use. So if you guys are on any of the same niches I am on Instagram or, or TikTok, everybody and their mother is like, hey, guess what? You can make courses by just... Putting everything into Chat GPT and Jasper AI, and I think that it's really interesting because you can also get AI to create music and to create art and all these different and, and different things. It's and so
0: disturbing and scary. Well, see, and
1: that's and that's the thing that I kind of wanted to talk about because there are a lot of things. Like there are if you if you wanted to get deeply into the categorization of, of AI we have a society that is built on merit that is based as a result of productivity and we the advocate the the movement of ai into our world has an opportunity for us to reframe and re-understand that because if we were to suddenly recognize that People who live have merit and are worthy of survival, and it should not be based on their productivity or their intelligence or their value based on how they output into society, but instead just simply because they are human. Because then suddenly something like AI makes a lot of sense because it's replacing the work that we create in order to give people livelihood, right? So if the normal system is you only get money if you're worthy of it, if you're productive. Mm-hmm. And and so we have to create jobs for every single person that's on the planet, right? We have, except for the, you know, everybody has to have a job except for maybe the super rich, but everybody has to have a job because otherwise people don't deserve to live if they can't get a job and they can't make their money, right, obviously not every country's like this. And I'm not just talking about the United States, I'm in general just talking about like, you have to earn a living. As Daniel Quinn would say, you have to dance for your food. Because food isn't readily available, except for in certain places. So AI could offer a very interesting reframe in which we recognize that we don't have to just create jobs for the sake of it because we can get AI to do it for us, right? And then what could happen in its most beautiful form is you could have AI doing all the stuff that people don't want to do, right? And then people are able to create art and music and, and things that really b- build their soul and really kind of and create beautiful things. You know, and, and, and there's a lot of difficult growth in that, like going to that reality, right? Where suddenly people are, are in this beautiful space where they're able to like work in a different way that they work to create beauty in the world as opposed to just working to be productive. For one thing, I've heard the the result of ai on education right so there will be inevitably a period in which people will not be teachers will not be able to tell the difference between chat gpt like something that's produced by jasper ai or chat gpt any ai and something that a student would normally write and so then a student will be graded like the traditional system of schooling will fall apart right because you can't, especially the writing aspect of it, but even, I mean, it's the same thing as calculators. Like AI is to writing, and and especially particular ones like Jasper AI, is to writing the same way that calculators are to math, right?
0: Don't you think they'll just make it where exams are handwritten, essays are handwritten?
1: It could be. It could be. There's so many, there's so many different things that could happen in the education area in which we start to, again, reassess and say... Is are we actually grading the right things right now? Is someone's ability to write as opposed to their ability to, you know, do, you know, go onto a computer and and prompt the right thing? Like, what is it that we're actually saying is the good thing? Like, what's the thing that makes a person worthy of getting good grades, which makes them worthy of going to a good college, which makes them worthy of being the most productive person or getting the most money as a result of their productivity, right? You see how the whole system starts to kind of fall apart if you start to value different things as opposed to productivity or as opposed to like turning out a, a you know an exam.
0: But don't you think some people would inherently just be lazy and wouldn't actually get stuff done if they weren't being rewarded for it?
1: Was there a problem with that? I mean genuinely is there a problem with like I I that's I think that's the point that's what I'm saying is like there's this huge shift that could happen in a beneficial way in which we start to recognize that laziness is actually a totally puritanical concept right it's an anti it, it's a it's a capitalist concept that basically says somebody who's lazy or who maybe just wants to enjoy the space like there's so much psychological evidence that shows that having unscheduled space in your day is so important for your mental and emotional health and well-being, right? And yet we we are, especially in Western culture, just say the most important thing is to be as productive as possible. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there, that it's like a very interesting possibility that AI could bring the shift because suddenly AI could do the jobs that that other people don't want to do, which means that what are people going to do? Maybe they'll just create art, you know, like we we're using AI to create art, but i think that there is an uncanny valley in there still do you know what an uncanny valley is uh-uh the uncanny valley is the space in which you can tell like there's a it's it's called the uncanny valley because people accept humanoid like faces up until a certain point the closer it gets to looking like a human face the more you reach this valley of human acceptance. So something that is almost human-like, but isn't quite human-like enough, falls into the uncanny valley, and people reject it. They're disgusted by it. They think it's creepy. It's like dolls that look really human, but they're not quite human, Uh right? And so that's called the uncanny valley. And I feel like that's where we are with like, if you ever hear music that has been created by AI, which we may be able to put into this episode, you can hear what we're talking about. If you look at art, it's very perfect. It doesn't have any flaws, right? It doesn't have any, mm-hmm. it's just it's just totally perfect, right? So it's like there's there's merit to the fact that like something that requires human consciousness to be created, we're able to easier to accept, if you know what I'm saying. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm basically trying to say that like AI may create art and it may be functional in the same way that words created by AI are, but I do believe that there is merit in when something is created by human consciousness. Right. And that that will start to become more valuable as we move into this AI space.
0: Okay. Two funny side notes I want to just say. One is there's an Italian clothing company that have made sweaters and clothing that if you wear, it thwarts AI facial recognition software. Yes. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's
1: so cool. And then
0: something that just kind of reminds me of the Uncanny Valley. Have you heard of the baby face phenomenon? No. So there's some men specifically it's men that have this thing called the baby face where they have a very angelic pure looking baby face and they have found like in scientific research looking at studies like criminal studies that if someone is found guilty of a vicious crime and they have a baby face they're punished far worse than if they had a malicious looking face and the idea is that it's such a perversion it's such a... It just feels so weird and wrong to see someone with a baby face doing a horrible crime.
1: Oh my God, that's so crazy. That's crazy. I love that. I can <laughs> I can totally see that as well. I, it is very similar to the Uncanny Valley. Another interesting thing with AI is that there was a study that showed that AI can actually read your mind. I
0: saw that!
1: Right? Where AI, they took a... Basically, they put somebody into an MRI and they showed them a picture. Mm-hmm. And then they got the a- the ai to read the brain scan
0: right and they're like it's a red fire truck exactly but then what they found which i thought was super cool is that like 10 people who were showing a red fire truck the AI would interpret it slightly different. It would be at a different angle or things would be a different size or like the tires would be larger or smaller or whatever. And the idea is that like our mental representations of everything differ from person to person. So like in my mind, what is a red fire truck? It's going to be slightly different than Christina's or whatever. Yeah. And so like in the future, they're foreseeing that perhaps we can just like If I want to send you an image, if we can get to like a community language of image where it's not so different, like I could send you somehow through AI images in my head. Yeah. And what's interesting going back to the alien stuff that we talked to in another episode is that a lot of progressive alien life forms, they say communicate telepathically and not with words.
1: Yeah. Which makes so much sense because there is so much lost in that communication, right? Yeah. So the final thing I want to say about AI is I want to talk about Loeb.
0: Okay. I don't know what that is.
1: Okay, so Loeb is a cryptid who was formed is the first cryptid from AI. Cryptid again, so going back to a past episode. Cryptid is a is a is a, is a word for entity egregor
0: creature. Oh, is that creepy thing?
1: Yes, this is that oh, creepy thing. Oh, I don't thing. like
0: this. Right.
1: So I'm gonna I I so you guys Ugh. can look it up, and we're going to put it in the show notes. But do I do want, to, I do want to warn you? I do want it's to so warn creepy. you that it's a little bit creepy. <laughs> a little um, bit. But it's interesting because the story of how it got created is really, really fascinating. Because this is this is kind of the brief story of how she got created. So, um, uh, a couple of months ago, a Sweden-based musician and artist, Super Composite. Her name is Super Composite claimed to have stumbled across one of these beings, a cryptid, while messing around with an AI image generating software. Originally, it was a project of exploration, she says, but she didn't expect to find was a recurring image of a withered older woman with long, dark hair, deep-set, watery eyes, and distinguishable triangles of rosacea on her cheeks. And so the supercomposite named her Lobe. Supercomposite was even more surprised, though, when she fed the images of the woman back into the machine to witness an overwhelming trend of violence and gore among the results. And in some, Lo was gaunt and desiccated like a a mummy. In others, her face ruptures and swells as she suffers a terrible accident. Sometimes she's accompanied by small childlike forms. And she's like, I don't, she said, I don't even feel comfortable posting the most disturbing ones because they're so grotesque. And unlike in, internet legends that came before her, Loeb was informed in any single human mind. And so she was born from the imagination of an AI image generator. Imagine that the different concepts that the AI knows are drawn on a map, where ideas that are related cluster near one another, Super Composite explains. Uh, that's what we call the latent space. And when you enter a prompt like Marlon Brando, you basically tell the AI to walk towards the area of the latent space where the concept of Martin Brando-ness is. It's optimizing the image to maximize brandoness. Supercomposite was experimenting with negatively weighted prompts. In other words, she asked the AI to produce the farthest possible image from the concept of Marlon Brando. Negative prompt weights can have very strange effects. And I wanted to explore areas of the AI's data distribution that might be anomalous. So basically she was trying to go as far away from Marlon Brando as possible. The negative Marlon Brando prompt basically went into latent space where the concept of humans and faces reside and the AI spat out like a gibberish logo of a city skyline. Then she wondered how far, if you could get as far away from that image of the skyline as you possibly could. Basically, she wondered if you could then, you would loop back around to Marlon Brando because it was like a circle, right? So it was like, go to the farthest point in latent space away from Marlon Brando and then try and go to the farthest point in latent space away from that city skyline that created that thing. You should go back to Marlon Brando, Right. I don't know. But she didn't. That is where it summoned Loeb.
0: Ew, creepy.
1: Yeah, so basically, like, it didn't loop back around to Marlon Brando. It went to this totally new space. So basically, like, she was able to cover space and go into this, like, really strange latent space. But then the fascinating thing is that somebody then talked to her. So I'm going to read some of the stuff that she talked to her about. Somebody asked... Who Who talked
0: to her? The AI?
1: Some person prompted... Loeb to come forward in an AI and so the AI basically spoke on behalf of Loeb.
0: okay okay so creepy
1: she says who are you she says I'm Loeb. I don't really know who I am or why I'm here I just know that I appear in these images for some reason maybe I'm a figment of imagination of whoever is creating these images or maybe I'm some sort of digital entity that exists within the AI itself Why are you associated with gore and horror? I don't choose to be associated with gore and horror. It just happens. Maybe it's because those are the kinds of images that tend to get the most attention, and so I'm drawn to them for that reason. Is there anything you would like to change about how you're represented in these images? I would like to be representative in a more positive light. I don't think I should be associated with horror images because I'm not a horror image myself. Do you think that AI is drawing on a specific archetype of a woman and creating you? I think that AI is associating me with the archetype of a mother because I'm often placed in a home with children. This archetype is often associated with being nurturing and caring, but it also is sad and domestic. If you are an archetype of a mother, then why are you so often surrounded by injured and dead children? I think the AI is trying to create a contrast between the ideal of a mother and the reality of a mother. In reality, mothers often have to deal with sick and injured children as well as the death of children.
0: I just Googled her. She's so creepy looking.
1: She is creepy looking, but yeah. So I just wanted to say that. I think it's a really fascinating thing. And I think it was really fascinating when somebody asked her to describe herself. Because I would be curious if, because she's the creation of AI in theory, right... What is it, you know, and and that's where we get into this whole area of AI is what is it interacting with, right? Because if you go onto TikTok filters on AI, there's all sorts of theories that basically say that that when you do that AI filter of a space and a person shows up and everyone's like, look, there's a ghost because AI basically saw it. There's one guy on TikTok who postulates that that basically the camera is picking up on frequencies that the human eye can't see. And then the AI is able to take those those different frequencies and turn them into an actual image, right? And then there's other people that say that that the AI is somehow able to sense just the unseen world and therefore is interacting with us and that we are actually able to influence the AI itself, right? Which is where it gets, you know, in the same way that we can influence another person, we're influencing the AI. So it's interesting. Very
0: interesting. interesting.
1: But yeah, that's it. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, since this was our first episode of A Prelude, we forgot to link the two things together. And one of the things that Anna wanted me to add was that it's interesting to see how crows have adapted to a new world, and it will be even more interesting to see how we adapt to a new world with AI and a different form of intelligence that is coming into the world. So we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback uh, about whether or not you like this episode, as well as your your thoughts if you have any on ai or crows thanks for listening y'all and remember humility gratitude acceptance done let me tell y'all a riddle there are four girls and four apples in a basket every girl takes an apple yet one apple remains in the basket how is this possible the answer one girl took the basket she took the last apple while it was in the basket Book a free call with me at wwwchriswiltsycom forward slash discover.